All right, all right. Uh, we're, we're in this series, Taking Root, uh, go, walking through the book of Acts. And so if you've been with us, you might want to open your Bible. We're in Acts chapter 2. And, and, and as it says, you know, this is the day that the church began, Acts chapter 2. It, there's amazing things that happen. You know, when it comes to church service every week, uh, we, we kind of put the order together. And, and pretty, pretty much I could say, you know, the, the order of service, uh, Eric prepares and, and lays out three songs that we usually sing. I get up and preach, kids go down. Uh, we, we do communion. Uh, and, and we have that all kind of, you know, laid out each Sunday. We do the preparation. We make adjustments. One time we were, at one time we were doing communion first, then kids go down, then we'd preach. And, and, and so we make those adjustments time to time and maybe do some different things. Uh, and so we do the planning. On this day that, that the church began, everything, I, I, again, they were waiting. They weren't preparing. They weren't preparing as in, oh, here's, here's the order of service for the day that the Holy Spirit comes. This was absolutely prepared for, planned on by God. His outpouring of the Spirit and what takes place uh, is laid out by Him. So he, he had the order of service. I don't believe there was bulletins, and there were definitely no pews, okay? In, in, the, in that, uh, that day, the first day the church began, in this service we're about to read. Um, they've been waiting. That's where we were last week. They've been waiting, anticipating for, for what God had promised was coming. And, and uh, here in Acts chapter 2, we're going to read the first four verses. Before we do, let's, let's go before God in prayer. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you, Lord, for your word. We praise you, Lord, for your spirit, and, and we desire, Lord, to be guided by both. Uh, Lord, the, the spirit's indwelling and your word laid before us. We pray, Lord, to encourage us, to be a strength to us. Lord, challenge us. Uh, Lord, the adjustments, Lord, the changes we need in our lives. Uh, Father, repentance we might be uh, needing to, to be led to. So we ask, Lord, for the activity of your spirit in our hearts. And Lord, open our minds to what we're about to read this morning. Guide us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. This is the beginning of the church, or the day the church began. Here it is. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a rushing, a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Uh, it's simply this. You know, you read those first four verses and, and, and you know it's God. And, and it begins with power. The church began with power as what we see on this day of Pentecost. Uh, this morning, uh, these aren't the only... Uh, verses I'm going to read for we're actually going to go through 21 verses so but there's observations to see in each step of the way this is the first step 
the, the coming of the Holy Spirit into the church. So, so the first observation I want us to see in these four, four verses is that just as it was promised by God in, in chapter 1, or by Jesus in chapter 1, the power of God came upon his people. We see the power of God coming upon his people. Uh, and, and we know that power is the Holy Spirit. And, and, and the first question, in the first verse, it says, you know, who, who, who received the power? And, and I know this is really a divided thought here. Uh, I do know the absolute perfect answer to that. It's everyone who was gathered in the upper room received the Holy Spirit. You can see that in verse 1. The question is, who was it that gathered in the upper room? Was it the twelve? Because that was, that was expressed, uh, you know, the, the pronoun, the nearest antecedent would be in chapter, chapter 1, they're talking about the, the apostles. You know, but was it the apostles or was it possibly the, the 120? Because in, in the discussion or, or finding the person, Peter was actually addressing the 120. So I, I will tell you honestly, uh, in, in my own leaning, I lean towards the 120 as to receiving the Holy Spirit, that they were gathered in the upper room. Basically, for this reason, in the context, on a daily basis, they were meeting together. Not just the apostles, but, but the ladies with them, and, and, and uh, uh, including Mother Jesus, uh, Jesus' brothers. And, and like I said last week, like I, I believe the 72 other disciples uh, had been meeting with him on a regular basis daily up to this point. So as it says, they were there meeting again in the, in the upper room. And, and uh, whether you believe it was just the apostles that were up there or whether the 120, uh, it, it is just kind of a disputed thought. So if you are strongly believing the other way, let me know. I'd like to hear your reasoning to where you have that confidence this is who was there. Uh, but at this point, uh, I, again, I'll just say I lean towards the 120. So that we'll move on from there. Now, the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them, uh, as was promised back in chapter 1, verses 5, and also verse 8. And it was a miraculous power. It, 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 was, it was something that was seen and heard. There was, they heard the uh, power of a mighty rushing wind. And when it comes to that, you know, I, I look back into the scriptures and see anywhere where there's a significance of wind in the Old Testament. Uh, when when uh, uh, it was in the book of Ezekiel. Uh, that there was actually, uh, in, in, in chapter 37, when God was speaking to Ezekiel, took him into a land where there was dry bones everywhere. And, and God, in speaking to him, was telling him to prophesy. You know, if you would prophesy, you know, uh, that, that, that the winds would come and, and the breath of God would enter into the bones, he would, he would bring back you bring those dry bones back to life. There's power in, in the wind in the Old Testament. Uh, it is said in John chapter 3, verse 8, when Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus who came to him in the evening, um, he said, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So there's a combination of, of, the, of, of wind that's happening. And especially here, they hear this, this sound of the mighty rushing wind. And, and here's the thought, you know, what about the Spirit? What do we know exactly about the Spirit? Where does it come from? Where is it going? We, we don't know. But, but 
the, the coming of the Holy Spirit came in the same way um, on that day. There was also something that they've seen. You know, they heard and they saw. They saw the tongues that, of fire that rested upon each one, came in, rested upon each one that was gathered in that upper room. Um, and, and in that, uh, we look back to, to what uh, uh, specifically John said, John the Baptist in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, when he was speaking about Jesus, he said, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to entice. Speaking about Jesus. And then the last phrase, he says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So with an explanation of what's happening, this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit that's happening. And, and, and the fire came upon them, or what appeared to be fire came upon them. And, and in verse 4, it says clearly uh, the results of that, the Holy Spirit coming upon each one, that each one spoke in other tongues. Other tongues different from their own. Um, and, and, and so in, in this upper room, uh, we see that the very beginnings happens through the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now in verses 5 through 13, uh, then the activities begin and other people are included. Let me read 5 through 13 if you want to follow along with those as well. Verse 5 says, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem devout men from every nation under heaven, and at the sound, at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene uh, and visitors of, from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, um, Arabians, Arabians. Uh, we, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said they are filled with new wine. Here's a second observation is that the fact that the, through this power, now through this power, uh, they caught the attention of thousands. See, I think there was a, an absolute purpose taking place in the, in, in not, just, not just in the coming of the Spirit that was going to happen, but in their speaking in tongues. Uh, what, what they heard was not the mighty rushing wind, but what they heard was a, a language being spoken from a bunch of Galileans. Galileans, you know, had the dialect from the north, don't you know? You know, I don't think it was anything like that, but, but that idea, there, there was some kind of voice that you would hear uh, from the Galileans, and it was different from theirs. Um, when we look at this, it's important to understand what's going on this day of Pentecost. Let me go into uh, an explanation about this. There, there's a reason why all these Jews are gathered together uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, three, three times in the year there were feasts of celebrations. Uh, earlier, uh, there was the Feast of, of Unleavened Bread. This is Pentecost, which is also uh, called the Feast of Weeks. 
Then, then finally, towards the fall, there is, or within the fall, there is the Feast of Tabernacles. The, the two especially connected here uh, is the Feast of Passover and the, and the Feast of Weeks, which is also identified as Pentecost. Pentecost means 50, or seven weeks, which adds up to 50. Um, the, 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 the thinking here uh, of what's taking place, especially for Jews, when it, when it came to that, that Feast of Unleavened Bread, it was a celebration of their, their being uh, rescued out of slavery in Egypt. Remember that? And specifically spoken about Passover because of the lamb that was slain and the blood being put on the doorposts so the angel would pass over uh, the, specifically the children of Israel. And, and Egypt, on, on the other hand, suffered great loss of, of the first, uh, firstborn child in every home. Then they was, received a release from Egypt after that. And so that, that celebration was all focused upon that Passover lamb. There it was that same time that Jesus suffered upon the cross and died. Also was raised uh, from, the, from the grave. 50 days later. Now for the Jews, 50 days. It, again, it, this Feast of Weeks was a celebration of harvest. They would bring loaves of bread and it was part of what their offering would be to praise God for the harvest that they, they've experienced. But it was also thought to be 50 days after uh, the, the Passover was, was first given, that 50 days later was also the time that, that God established covenant with his people by giving the law and establishing uh, you know, this, this first people who are going to be his people. Now, we look at what they're celebrating then. You know, Jesus was crucified. And then on that day of Pentecost, on that day of Pentecost, uh, the, the very beginnings of, of you know, instead of, instead of under the law, it's going to be under grace. And not only just to the people of, of, who are the Jews, but now it's going to be spread out. And that's what we see taking place here uh, during this day of Pentecost when, when Jews were gathering from all over. When I say all over, just we'll do it this way. Instead of putting a map up, if I'm standing here in Jerusalem, we, we got the directions correct. This is north and that's south. I, I want you to see the directions from which everybody came from. Uh, I'm going to go through 9, 10, and 11. Parthians were from that direction. Medes there. Elamites. We go to Mesopotamia is over here. Judea is the surrounding area where Jerusalem is. Uh, uh, Cappadocia is, is more up in this direction. Uh, Pontus uh, over this direction. And then, then uh, Asia is over here. Phrygia and Pamphylia over in this direction. Then we go clear over to uh, Egypt. It said visitors from Egypt, so, so more towards the south. Uh, and there Libya, of course, is, Libya is a large section, but it directs more like uh, visitors that came from Cyrene who were from Libya, more, more to the west of, of Egypt. And then there were visitors from Rome over from this direction. And, and then Jews and proselytes, this is verse 11, Jews and proselytes, proselytes, this is interesting to note, that there were Gentiles amongst them, but who had embraced the Jewish faith. And, and in doing that, they had to, they had to uh, begin to observe the law that God had given. 
They had to observe the law that God had given, which included circumcision and, and these feasts that they attended, and, and, uh, as well as sacrifices. So proselytes were part of this as well. Uh, they were Cretans, uh, Cretans from this direction, and, and Arabians from over here. So all over, when I say all over, you saw all the places I, in, in direction from Jerusalem. It was from all over that Jews were coming. Each time one of these festivals, they came from all over. And on this day of Pentecost, Jews were gathered there in Jerusalem for this. Now, when they began to speak uh, in, in tongues, in, in, in these tongues, they entered the streets. I can say they, they left the upper room and, and actually doesn't, doesn't give us all the details of what happened except where they ended up and that there were thousands who gathered. So, so they went into the streets. I always imagined this, that whether it was the 120 or the 12, and they began to walk, to, uh, walk through the streets to that temple courts. The place where thousands were able to gather is in the temple court area. So we imagine that, that probably there is where they stopped. And, and already Jews are gathering there uh, because they were bringing their offerings on this day of Pentecost. And their, boy, their attentions were being caught by everyone speaking as it said. And, and they were speaking in their language. They were speaking in their language, so many different languages that caught their attention. And the response of the people was this. We're, they were just in awe of it. It was catching their attention. They were, they were drawn. Now, there were those who were mocking and said, How, well, you know, there, some people are already drinking today, you know. Uh, there, there's some people who've had a, a bit too much, and now they're, they're kind of out of their minds. But what was happening, what was, what was drawing the people to them was it wasn't just they were speaking in the tongues, but they were, and it specifically says in verse 11, that they were speaking about the mighty works of God. You met, they were there to celebrate and to, to worship, to, to make sacrifices in thankful hearts before God. But the words that they, what do you think they were sharing? It doesn't go into the details. I think may, maybe some of the content that we're going to look at next week in Peter, but don't you imagine they were celebrating that God has finally sent his Messiah. We've identified the Messiah. Uh, and, and, and the mighty works of God, part of that was that he has raised this Jesus from the dead. Uh, and, and who knows the other content, but, but they were possibly uh, quoting the scriptures from the Old Testament and, and, and talking about the stories of Jesus. Uh, but they were sharing that in, in the languages. And so people were drawn. Peter responds. Peter begins to respond. He actually begins his sermon by responding to, to maybe this question of what's happening here. What, what, what's happening here with, with this miraculous thing that we're seeing? And so Peter begins to respond 14 through 21. Uh, turning to verses 14 through 21. It says, but Peter standing with the eleven lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And, in, and here's where it began. Joel chapter 2, you can find it there as well. But here's what he quotes. He says, And in the last days it shall be, God de declares, 
that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So finally, you know, Peter's response uh, actually includes this. And this would be the, the final observation. But this powerful beginning was prophesied. Again, I said earlier, I said God has planned this out. It's been hundreds of years. He had this in mind. He was thinking about his Messiah coming. This Savior coming into this world. He was thinking about this particular day. Matter of fact, Joel identifies it as these last days. You know, actually, we're living in these last days. But as Joel refers it, I mean, it's, it's that period of time after Jesus came. Matter of fact, if we look at what are the last days, it's defined by the coming of Jesus. That's, that's the beginning of the last days. Through his death, through his resurrection, and here at the beginning uh, of the church, from that period of time until Jesus returns. So we're living in the last days. What are we to do during these last days? Well, we're anticipating his return, right? Just as he left, he's going to return. And, and we're still anticipating that time of Jesus' return. And so in these last days, what does, what does Joel say? Well, he is going to pour out uh, my spirit upon all flesh. That, that's what's going to happen. Uh, let me talk just a little bit about the context of what Joel is, is, is even speaking about. It was, it was a time, again, when Israel was undergoing judgment. It was, it was, it was bleak circumstances. Uh, we've seen it time and time again. This time, it was because of locusts were, was just devouring the land. The Israelites were disobedient once again. And, and, and in the response, you know, Joel was telling them, guess what? The first message was, what do you think it was? Starts with an R and, and ends with repent or, or epent, something like that. But anyway, so Joel said, hey, you folks, you need to repent. And, and also, you need to look forward to these last days. Okay? And then, then fill in the content with the rest that, that uh, Luke brings up here. He, he said, listen, you need to repent, but, but there's days that are coming, last days that are coming. That I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. This is, this is an amazing part of what we're looking at today. It is the, the, the outpouring of, of God's Holy Spirit. Uh, in the Old Testament, there were people who, who we could identify that, that had received God's Spirit. The prophets who, who spoke on God's behalf. They, they had the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, there were kings that were even said, David, I re remember a place where he received the Holy Spirit. People who were, the, those who were moving and leading God's people had the Holy Spirit. Moses 
had the Holy Spirit. He said something very significant in Numbers chapter 11 and verse 29. In the context of this, Joshua was complaining there was two, two men who were prophesying within the camp. And, and Joshua said, well, why don't you tell them to be quiet? This is Moses' response is, are you jealous for my sake? Like I'm the only one with the Holy Spirit. No, that God is speaking through them. And are you jealous for my sake is what he's saying? Would that all the Lord's people be, were prophets. Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on all of them. What's he saying? Man, if, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great? That, that all of God's people were to have God's spirit. Wouldn't that be, I think about it. Think about it. For, for, for our guidance, for our, even our identity to say God's spirit is, is dwelling within would be something else, wouldn't it? Well, in Joel's prophecy, there's going to be coming a day when, the, when God's spirit is going to be poured out on all flesh. This is the day. This is day. And, and within the church, it's continued. Now, at the beginnings of this, uh, the Lord's people um, were, were given the Holy Spirit. It was, it was God launches this, this uh, uh, great event uh, through the rushing, you know, the, the mighty rushing wind and through tongues of fire and, and people speaking in tongues. You know, is that what we expect today as we receive Christ I don't think so. Later on, there's a number of people, great number of people who are going to receive, uh, you know, through their repentance and through baptism. And, and in, the, in the passage, it does not say that all of them received the tongues and that all of them uh, heard the mighty rushing wind, nor that they spoke in tongues. We'll see other cases where speaking in tongues takes place in Acts. And I, I, I think we could absolutely identify specific reasons for that. So God's going to work. God's going to work. And if, if God decides today to, to bring a mighty rushing wind, wouldn't that be something? We didn't include it in our call to worship today. So not today, God. No, no. It, it would be amazing to think that God would bring uh, the, that miraculous uh, event upon us. But God has reason and purpose behind it. And he calls for us to, to be faithful and to act upon our faith. When, when you received Jesus, the promise still stood that, that through your repentance and through your baptism that he brings or bestows upon you his Holy Spirit. Or as you act in faith to receive Jesus, he gives you his Holy Spirit. And he indwells you. And the beginning was here in Acts chapter 2. Is that significant? Absolutely. Moses identified it a long time ago. That would be amazing if we as God's people could have his spirit indwelling us. We're going to continue walking through the book of Acts. I hope we're going to be able to see exactly what he does and how he works within us. How, how he brings us to understanding and, and brings us to understanding in the scriptures and helps to lead us to living lives that are going to be dedicated and focused upon him. And also for this, this purpose, I mean, looking what happens, they're, they're going out and doing what with it? They hit the streets with it. They went into the, the temple courts and began to declare the wonders of God as they received the Spirit. I think they, we ought to 
pay real close attention to that as well. The second part of this, the second part of this is, is there's cosmic wonders. You know, verses 19 and 20 basically speak of, you know, the sun going dark and, and blood red moon. You know, what, what, what events happened in, in, that, in the last days? Uh, one, we could identify with Jesus in his crucifixion. That in that very afternoon, uh, there came darkness over everything. It could, it could either refer to something like that or say at the, at the end of the, these last days, in, in Matthew chapter 24, 29, and 30, talks about the sun going dark and, 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 the, sun, and the moon uh, turning blood red. It, it, it is speaking about, you know, in, the, in those circumstances, that judgment, that final judgment, the day of the Lord coming and taking place. So Joel is, is you know, speaking, again, the, the, um, these last days is, is a long period of time. From the time Jesus came and, and uh, his death, his resurrection, the beginning of the church until Jesus returns uh, is fashioned within there. And it's hope. It's hope because you see verse 21. Uh, to, to read verse 21, it says, oh, I lost my sheet, sorry. Verse 21 says, And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone who comes up, uh, calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It means salvation. And, and the availability of salvation is to all those who call upon the name of the Lord. Now, listen, the church began with power. The church in these verses has begun with power. Please read that again. I went through it pretty quick uh, because of our time. But here's, here are three things that I, I believe that we could draw from this and say this is significant in the beginning of the church. These three things are important in the beginning of the church. It is the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. I, again, as Joel says, it's going to be for all flesh. In the beginning, whether it's the 12 or 120, it was a significant beginning. It wasn't just one person. It wasn't just someone, some one person to lead, but it was, it was going to be a group who led. And, and what they do? They went out and declared that message. The second thing would be the spread of the gospel news of God's mighty works. Is that not identify who we are as a church and what we ought to be doing? Uh, we, we hold ours within a building, but, but wouldn't it be great to go out into some courtyard somewhere and declare, you know, the mighty works of God? Actually, that's what we ought to be doing during the week. You know, when we go into our workplace, we go uh, into different places. Man, even if in a restaurant or some activity in the week... We ought to find that opportunity to talk about the mighty works of God. We ought to be able to find that time because we are the church. It's not just that what we talk about on Sunday morning. It ought to be something that we talk about all the time because of what God has done. And finally, that salvation. The idea that that salvation is now available to all those who call upon the name of the Lord. That's the church. Those, those three things I identify uh, within the beginning part of, of uh, this day of Pentecost. Significant. 
that the coming of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of every believer with the Holy Spirit, that the declaration of that gospel message, that good news that God has done wonderful things by sending his son. And, and then finally, in that, within that message is that salvation is available to all. You hear that? Do you see that within the beginnings of the church? We're, we're going to continue on next week. Uh, we're we're going to go into uh, Peter's sermon. Uh, we, we already had the introduction. Uh, this, is, this is why these things have happened and the focus on Joel. But now we're going to look at the mighty works of God specifically as he worked it through Jesus. So that, that, we're going to get into that next week. Let, let's pray right now. And, and, and think about what we as a church are a part of. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for this day. We always thank you for your word, Lord. And, and being able to see the very beginnings of the church is important for us today. Lord, how it, it started with such power. The evidence that, that was heard and that was seen. And, and then the experience of the speaking in tongues so that others would be able to understand and, and how it drew the crowd. And, and, and uh, uh, Peter already had their attention as, as he began to speak. Lord, we know the end results of that was many came to know you. Lord, within the continents of this, we, we see some very important things that, that's a part of who we are. Lord, we identify with your Holy Spirit. We praise you uh, that, that you have promised his indwelling in our lives to guide us, to be a strength, to connect us, Lord, and, and to be uh, that part of our lives that identifies us as your children. Lord, we also praise you for the message that we, we have. There, there's so much that we could speak about your mighty works in this world the, the things that you're fashioning, the things that you're doing through your church. We continue to pray, Lord, may your kingdom come, may your will be done. Lord, and, and we see how it's working through your church today. Lord, we also praise you for that message that we do have, that message of salvation, that, that all those who call upon the name of the Lord are going to be saved. Father, we praise you that it's no longer just particular to one one people, but now, Lord, through Christ, it is opened in all directions, to all people, to all languages. Help us, Father, to be um, ever thinking, ever you know, placing some strategy and, and thinking, how is it we could, we could reach our neighbors? How is it we could re reach this world around us with this gospel message? We praise you, Father, for the church we praise you for what it represents and, and who we are as a people. Continue to stretch us and help our thinking of those things that's most important uh, about your word and about what we as a church ought to be doing. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.